Hello to all our Disrupting HR listeners. Welcome to episode three. My name is Taylor Mandelowitz and I'm a postgraduate student at Curtin University transitioning into the world of HR. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land I'm on today, the Wujak Noongar people. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and future and extend that respect to all Indigenous peoples in our audience. In our last episode of Disrupting HR, we discussed the war of talent, becoming an obsession and conventional wisdom in need of fundamental change. Today, we welcome a fresh voice, Hannah Carson, and we will be discussing the topic of workplace bullying, a phenomenon that has become far too widespread in organisations today. Hannah was born and raised in the US, where she completed a master's degree in business journalism at Northwestern University. She moved to Australia 10 years ago, and in that time has worked across the journalism, marketing, public relations and education sectors. She is currently a lecturer at Curtin University with a focus on business communication and cultural engagement. So welcome, Hannah. Thanks for joining me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So to begin with, what has your experiences been with workplace bullying? So I think that when I first kind of encountered that term of workplace bullying, I just didn't necessarily think that it was a massive problem or that it was overly widespread. It seemed more like something that you see on TV, that you see dramatized. And then I got my first job here in Perth in late 2012 and that all kind of changed Um, when I was in that role I remember the first week one of the girls I was working with asked me to go out to lunch I was like oh this is so nice I'm making friends this is great and we went out we left the the editor uh, it was a journalism publication we left the editor in the office and when we sat down this this colleague just got very serious very quickly of you know, be really careful around the editor, be, you know, make sure that you're never late, be at least five minutes early every day. If you're not early, you know, bad things happen. You don't leave the office until she leaves the office, you know, don't, you know, and she starts going through all of these, you know, unofficial rules to survive in the office and became really blunt that, you know, this editor is, is mean. She lashes out. She has a really horrific temper And I hadn't seen any of that. She seemed like, the editor seemed great. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this girl's a little little different. Um, You know, I'll take it with a grain of salt. And then over the weeks, I started to realize, you know, oh my God, she's right. And started to learn that in the 12 or 18 months before I started, there were at least three people who quit from that team because of bullying. And then it started with me as well. And it was just really shocking that, you know, we were working in a relatively busy newsroom. There were multiple publications. Uh, It was a business-to-business publisher. And there were other senior staff there who witnessed this, who heard this, who saw her engage in this behavior. And no one said anything to us. No one stepped in. No one said, hey, that's out of line. You know, she called us effing retarded. Um, I'll let you be the judge of what that F might stand for. She threw a stapler once. She just, she was out of control. And the smallest things would set her off. Easy things to fix, small, small issues. We were pumping out a good 10, 15 articles a day each. Um, And if there was a single error in any of them, which was caught by one of our copy editors, she would just lose her mind. And it was just seeing that, you know, this is not a safe space. This is not a place where I want to be. 
And I brought that up to our managing editor. I asked for a review meeting and he said, oh, you know, you're doing great. Everything's going so well. And I said, yep, really glad to hear that. I would like to talk to you about the bullying that's happening in our team. And I will never forget it. He just put his hands up in the air and said, whoa, 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 that's a really serious term. I'm going to have to ask you to walk back from that. And I said, well, it is a serious term. And I've looked up fair work and safe work. And here are their definitions. Here's a journal that I've been keeping of all of these different circumstances. And he just kind of shook his head. And he said, well, if you want to go down that path, you can. But you need to remember, Perth is a small town. And I lasted about another three weeks there. Uh, he told me that they were having editors come in outside of their normal work hours to try to supervise our editor, to try to keep her in line, to report on her. They knew there was a problem, but just chose to do nothing. And I hit this point where, you know, this was an entry-level role. It, I think I was on about $40,000 a year. And I actually reached out and went to my GP and said, I'm really struggling. Like, I, I feel nauseous. I'm shaking. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. And he point blank asked me, he said, how much money are you getting paid for this job? And I said, oh, you know, I'm on about 40000 a year. He said, great. So you're effectively making minimum wage to get completely abused. If you're not going to end up homeless, I'd really suggest you just quit. And thank God for him, because that was really the kick I needed. And I resigned. And they couldn't fathom it. Like, but you're doing really well. Why are you going? I said, oh, I'm just looking to pursue other opportunities. And, you know, I have to say, the one thing... That managing editor was right. Perth is such a small town because the editor that I worked under is still at that publication. And from my understanding, despite applying for multiple other roles with multiple other organizations, even more junior roles, has never been offered any other opportunities because Perth is a small town and people know who she is and what she does and how she treats people. So I think after going through that, it's really just shaped how I try to manage people, how I try to approach people. I kind of look at that as what not to do when I'm engaging with employees. It'd be interesting to see what the culture is still like since you've left. My understanding is it is very similar to what it was when I was there. There are other publications within kind of the company masthead which are okay, but it's that one publication that she oversees that was just absolutely toxic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I don't see it as a really effective management style, but... I guess they they can afford the turnover. So based on your experience and what you're reading and listening to, do you believe that bullying is a widespread problem? It seems like it is. And it seems like it's an issue where people don't necessarily want to name it. I think people get worried about it, particularly in a culture like Australia. There's this very much, oh, you don't want to dob anyone in. You know, you don't want to call anyone out, toughen up. You know, put some concrete in your tea, princess, harden up. You know, it's that kind of thing of, oh, I'll, I'll just stick it out, I'll just stick it out. And I think that people just try to push through it. But when I've been open about my experience with colleagues, with friends, I'm amazed that it is harder to find someone who has not experienced that really toxic bullying environment than it is to find someone who has. And where do you think the line is between bullying and just being a tough boss? I think that line really comes from when you start to see the physical, the emotional impact on your employees. You know, when people are running to the bathroom to throw up before work starts because they're worried to see you, 
when sick days start to go up, when productivity is actually going down, those are some really clear indications that the way that you're managing people isn't working. And I know that there are people who would argue with me and say, oh, you know, you've got to be tough. If you're too nice, people take advantage of you. You know, they'll walk all over you. But I think the flip side to that is if you treat people well, they'll want to do more for you. They'll want to be productive. They'll want to help your company. They'll want to exceed any goals that you set. And I think that for, you know, being a tough boss, part of it is being fair you can set really clear expectations and say, you know, these are the standards I'm going to hold you to. And if someone doesn't meet them, sit down with them and say, hey, you know, I said that we needed this by this deadline. You missed the deadline. What's going on? And that's not being nice and kind. And, you know, we're not wrapping them in cotton wool, but that's just acknowledging that maybe something happened or maybe they just didn't realize how serious you were versus screaming at them, cursing at them, belittling them, and especially doing that in front of other employees, I think really crosses that line and goes beyond just, oh, I'm going to be tough so that people work hard to, you know, I'm, I'm having a fear-based management style. And why should employers be worried about workplace bullying? I mean, I think that there are a couple of reasons for that. If we're going to be exceptionally practical, which I have been known to be at times, there's a financial impact there. You know, first and foremost, you're talking about turnover within an organization. It takes time and money to advertise a job, to interview candidates, to find the right person, to bring them on board, to train them up on your systems. And if you are constantly churning through employees, even if this is a low-level employee, that takes up a lot of time and money. And there's also the implication of potential legal ramifications. We've seen in Australia that workplace law is changing. And if we, as an employer, have caused psychological harm to someone, which is what bullying does, we are on the line for that. And if you as an organization choose not to address it, if you ignore that bullying complaint, if you don't take action, you are leaving yourself open to massive legal repercussions, you're opening yourself up to damage to your brand. Because if this ends up, you know, going to the tribunal or even going to court, your name is going to be dragged through that. You're not going to be able to protect your organization. And people don't take kindly to the idea that they're spending money with a brand, that they're partnering with an organization that mistreats people. They want to make sure that there's a positive public image. And I think even just from that productivity side, when you look at workplace bullying, you're not getting the best of your employees. You're getting what they're, you know, you're getting that fear response. You're getting the bare minimum that they can do. Whereas if you actually treat them well, if you incentivize success rather than kind of demonizing or making failure a fear, if you train them and teach them that, you know, if they excel, they're going to get additional bonuses. They're going to get those rewards. You're going to recognize that service. I think that you just start to instill a culture where there is that more positive approach to the workplace. And do you have any advice for employees who might be experiencing workplace bullying? I think my first advice is just you're not alone. It's happened to other people and that there are so many resources available to you for help and support. As a kind of a bare minimum starting point, I would pull up you know, fair work and safe work, look up what their definitions are and see if that meets that criteria. Maybe your boss just had a really bad day. You know, maybe they yelled at you once, but this isn't an ongoing thing. You can talk to them about that. 
But if this is an ongoing event, if this is impacting you repeatedly or impacting others repeatedly, start to keep that journal. Start to keep that record of what happened and when. Even if it's just your own journal, if you can get things in writing and email, that can be a little bit stronger as well. And start to look through your company you know, standards and what your rules are within your organization. If you're in a company that's large enough to have an HR, hopefully you are because even the smallest companies do need that, reach out to your HR rep. If you're part of a union, reach out to your union rep. They can be absolutely phenomenal of guiding you through what that process would be to have some mediation, to have a discussion. And if it does hit the point where you genuinely feel that going and continuing at this workplace is damaging to you, is causing you harm, there are options to step back from that. You have things like stress leave that you can take, um, which is, as an American, I, I genuinely cannot fathom that we have stress leave in this country. Um, but that's an opportunity for you. If you go to your GP, they can write out that you need to take leave from work due to the stress caused by your employment. That is paid leave. That is protected. So I think that that can give you a little bit of space, a little bit of breathing room to try to decide, all right, what are my next steps? From there, I mean, what I did, I quit without having or hinted in my notice, without having another opportunity. And then I just worked every single contact that I had and landed in another job, um, had that lined up within two weeks because I was also very blunt to my contacts about why I was leaving. You know, I said, this was an unhealthy work environment. Um, you know, the bullying here was really horrific. I need to get out of here. So I'm, I'm leaving regardless, but if you have any, you know, side work, if you have any projects, um, you know, I'm open to that. And I had some friends connect me even with some of the recruiters like Hayes, um, because they can kind of help you maybe get that short-term contract to see you through until you do get that permanent or that long-term role. So I think it's just, you know, know your value, value yourself enough to say, you know, my mental health, my physical health is more important than any job title that I have, is more important than any role that I have. No matter how much money you're making, you can't buy yourself healthy. You can't fix everything. So I think taking the time to realize that you need to come first and it's okay to take care of yourself is, is really the key. That's great, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think there's lots employers and employees can take away from our conversation. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again soon.